uh, let's look at Romans chapter 9. This is going to be part 2. Um, Romans chapter 9, part 2. You are in the, uh, this chapter. You are in this chapter. And uh, you have to understand that, that God foreknew you. And because God foreknew you, you're in the plans of God. You are in this chapter. It is so uh, ridiculous, that's the best word I got right now, for us to think that the world has something for us better than what God has. And now, normally, when you become older, you have enough scrapes and bruises to know better. But our young people don't know better. Also, when God doesn't do what you want, just remember that he's God and you're not. And he understands a lot more about what you and I need than we do. Remember, if you grew up like I did uh, as a little child, uh, occasionally I was allowed to have a, a little temper tantrum, but a small one. It was never a big one, a little small one. And when I did, my parents would say, I know what's best for you. Now, at the time when you were maturing, young people, this is from uh, the Holy Spirit just moving me to say this to the young people, that uh, when you are maturing, you don't always know that. You don't, like, always embrace that. But they actually know what you need better than what you know. And some of us, though, even though we are uh, past our teen years, we still need somebody in our lives who loves us enough to tell us the truth. All right? So this is what Romans is doing. And God has placed you in this book for these instructions that it, at this particular time. And if, as you continue to go on, uh, as you continue to know the Lord or go on to know the Lord deeper, you're going to find that your, your life, when you're walking in obedience, has been mapped out for you by God. It's like, it's like being um, this child. It is like it's actual, real and actual. You're the child of a very, very wealthy person. If you can imagine that, and they have all these amazing plans for you. Well, God is the wealthiest being in the whole universe. Nobody's wealthier. And he has mapped out this life for all of his children. But some of us are just so obstinate, right? And some of us, you know, obstinate, basically, you're, you're headstrong and you always know what you know, and you don't want anybody to confuse you with the truth. You know, so that's, that's kind of what it looks like. So let's look at what God wants to say to us, and let's listen to God and not be people that have this view. If it doesn't come through my mind first, it's not real. Wow. Don't be like that. Don't be like that at all. Uh, um, the older I get... Uh, the old saying is, the older I get, the smarter my daddy becomes. But sometimes the older we get, the smarter our mate becomes. But, 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 but if you're the mate that's re- uh, reaping the, the blessing, don't agree. <laughs> Let, let's look at Romans 9.1. Romans 9.1. I'm going, to, I'm going to reread it, right? Uh, I tell you the truth. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. Uh, that always made me laugh when I was young. I would laugh. So why would Paul say that? He sounds like he's from East Texas. 
I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Continual grief. For I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ. For my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. And then he lists seven blessings that they've had. He says, who are, is- uh, let me go, I'm sorry. Who are Israelites to whom pertain or belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, um, and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom and from whom according to the flesh Christ came who is over all the eternally blessed God amen and so uh, he says we received the adoption God adopted human beings as sons and uh, we know what God's intent was not to just uh, adopt in a quote unquote legal way but God also caused those who uh, whom he adopted in a legal way to be born of the spirit as born ones and adopted ones together and, and that is a, what Paul is saying is that I have grief because I'm trying to give something to a people who are called by God and they don't want it yeah. Yeah. they don't want it you know God is trying to give each one of us something as we're almost like a spoiled teenager we, we act like I know what's best for me and, and you know you just got a few years ago uh, out of diapers you know, and now you know more than the parents who, who washed you, bathed you, and took care of you and fed you when you didn't know your name. You know, so, so this is what we want to look at uh, in God, how good he was. So Paul had this grief because here they are uh, uh, adopted as sons. Listen to what Exodus 4.22 says. Exodus 4.22 says... Uh, to, uh, speaking of Mo, uh, Moses and Pharaoh, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Wow. That's so big. That is so big. And uh, Paul says, I could, I could just wish myself a curse from Christ uh, that is uh, devoted to destruction because I want, I want God's will for you so deeply and so badly. And so th- this is very, very big for all of us to look at and, to re- and really to understand uh, what is going on. Now, he talks also that Israel had the glory, and, and uh, we'll just recap a little bit of that. They had the glory, that is God expressing himself in their midst. And uh, let's look at Exodus 16.10, Exodus 16.10, and also 24.17. We'll do that quickly. Exodus 16.10 says, Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. They saw the manifest uh, uh, God, or rather manifested in a cloud there where they knew this was different than all up, than what we would call just some phenomena that was happening. In Exodus 24:17, he says, The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. They saw God manifesting himself, and they still were saying, Show me something else, God. Uh, we have we have so many denominations around today, and each one, not, almost each one, not every one of them, but most of them started because you couldn't tell them anything. 
They had an idea of God, they had a manifestation of God, and, and they knew everything at that juncture. But we, we don't want to be like that. They, are, they were like teenagers. They went out and started their own home, and they were barely old enough to reproduce. And look at, let's look at 1 Kings uh, 8.11. 1 Kings 8.11. We have talked about this multiple times. And uh, not only have I talked about it, but you've heard it in your life as we have walked out our Christianity. It says here, so uh, the glory of God was so great that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. And so Israel saw that, but yet they wanted something else. You, you, know, you and I have, we have seen so many various uh, and various denominations because sometimes people don't, they want God but without the glory. And I trust that there's nobody here like that. They want God but not uh, uh, with the glory. That is, they want a God they can explain. They want, <clears throat> want a God like they want him. Yeah. They don't want a God like he is. Yeah. We, we want to have church, but without manifestations. And whenever God manifests, we act just like these people who are backslidden. We want to run away. God manifests himself in power in his church, and a lot of people are out the door. Yeah. Run. I remember one time, uh, we had a, 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 young, uh, some, a young lady invited her cousin to the church, and we were uh, in this particular building at the time. And the, the Lord just started to do wonderful things. They weren't crazy, nothing like spooky, and I mean, you know. Just the, the presence of God was here. Just, it was like palpable. You could just feel the presence of God. And it was just so amazing. And he, he pow, ran out the door. And uh, his cousin ran after him and said, what's going on? He said, all y'all crazy. And we hadn't done anything. <laughs> It was the power of God and the presence of God. So, so uh, Paul is talking to the Romans, the Roman Christians, about what God had done and what God, how God had manifested himself, but his people didn't want it. And how many of us really want the presence of God like God wants to reveal himself? God doesn't want to reveal, him, reveal himself as something that he is not. And so he wants to, as it were, be himself. When you are in a relationship with somebody, I'm not talking about these illicit relationships. But when you're in a God-given relationship with somebody, uh, you want to be yourself. Now, if you've got to perform for that man or that, that woman, you don't need them. If they don't just like you for who you are, if you've got to pretend that you are uh, Lance or Lancelot or Lochinvar, you, you know, then, then you're going to have to keep pretending. And the moment you stop, you pull off your arm and they see that, no, you're the 90-pound weakling, they're out of there. No, you, you want to reveal who you are. And God wants to show us who he is. His glory is amazing. It's otherworldly. It's, it's in a sense, quote, unquote, in a sense, too good for us. But God doesn't think so. You know? And so uh, when we talk about the glory, it's the, man, the, the kingly uh, expression of God, the splendor, the brightness, the magnificence, the honor. You, you can use all of those, those terms to describe it. It's something that's otherworldly. It's, it's dignity beyond your definition, uh, Webster's definition. You can't really get it. It's, it's something that is so stupendous, so amazing, so awesome that it belongs to God. Yeah. Something off God. Yeah. And that's what 
whenever we talk about glory. Uh, Jesus manifested this glory because many people, the people at Nazareth, saw him just as a carpenter. Uh, he's Joseph's boy. They didn't even know who his daddy was, really. He's Joseph's boy. He's, he's a carpenter. Um, uh, we, we knew that boy when he was running around here in Nazareth growing up. But, but when he read the scripture from Isaiah and he said, This day, uh, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, uh, they, they, were st they weren't too angry about that. But when he started to tell them how rebellious they had been, they got mad. Yeah. People don't want to know the truth. And then but they, they, uh, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus manifested in his glory on uh, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, where he was metamorphosed right in front of them, and they saw his kingly glory. It was blowing them away. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and, and uh, the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah, came uh, from paradise. They came from paradise up to talk to him. I love that story. Don't you love that story? They came up. The law, the law and the prophets were bowing before the Messiah. They were bowing. They were giving way to the Messiah. That's amazing. And I, I think there's a little sidebar there that's blessed too because uh, several, uh, maybe about 1,500 or so years earlier, Moses wasn't allowed to go there. So God let him go into the promised land. Yeah. Sure, I thought that was beautiful also. Let, let's uh, look at the covenants also. Uh, so he said that they, they had a, uh, the covenant. So he, he is showing how greatly distressed he is because of Israel's disobedience. I, I want to say that I too am stressed not so much about Israel's disobedience, but about those, uh, these born again ones, us, how we don't seem to really want God enough. We're not hungry enough. I'm not speaking of everybody, but we're not hungry enough. When I read in the scripture, the, the scripture says in um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse, verses 5 and 6, let me attempt to quote it. It said, by faith, uh, Enoch, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, listen, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is or he exists and that he is a reward of those who diligently, diligently, diligently seek him. Wow. Wow. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? So let's look at the covenants. And so you have, you have to diligently seek God. Now, I, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you necessarily to answer it if you're unprepared. Are you diligently seeking the Lord? You know, yeah, you diligently seeking him. I, I talked about that a while back. I felt like I'd always, I was always diligently seeking the Lord from my childhood. But I realized that I was, I was seeking to be a diligent seeker. I was trying to find that. And when you find that, when, when you give God everything you've got, I mean, that's when you're diligently seeking him. You know, you know, if, if, you are, if, if you're not in shape to go the long distance, you're not seeking him yet. Not diligently, all right? But if you're seeking to be diligent, I'm, I'm still, I'm for you. Let's look at um, uh, uh, Genesis 15, verse 18, and then we'll, we'll get back to uh, Romans 9 in, in a short while. Uh, it says on the same, Genesis 15, 18 said, <clears throat> says, On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants, 
I have given the land, this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. That was a covenant. It's a compact. It's a testament. And, uh, and God said that uh, to his people. He gave them the land to Abram. And, and when we talk about the law, we're generally talking about the Mosaic law, that they were the only people group in the whole world who, ha who had what God required. And likewise, you and I are that people group. We are that new people group, that we are the people who have, as uh, my, uh, my pastor used to say, the last thing that came from heaven. Let's look at another covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. And the last thing that came from heaven, quote-unquote thing, was the Holy Spirit. So now we have the very life of God living inside these frames here. And sometimes I think we don't reverence them enough. It was Watchman Nee, I believe, who said that a believer should not have so much as a cold, a common cold, and not learn something. You know, what are we learning from the Lord? Or are we so affected by our quote-unquote Babylonian neighbors that we're beginning to act like them? <laughs> our, our, our unsaved neighbors. All right? Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. It's beautiful. It said, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. This is big, isn't it? Uh, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I, as I took it from, I guess, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. So he's talking, God is talking about two things. He's talking about Solomon, but he's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Messiah in that, in that Solomon built a natural house, but Jesus has built a house that will never be destroyed. Jesus has built an enduring house, which house we are. Jesus has done that. Amen. Mm. And so uh, let us understand that we are the very house of God. It's amazing. See, the Bible says that the Most High does not dwell, uh, dwell in temples made with hands, right? So God is not about living in a brick and mortar structure. God is not about living in a brick and mortar structure. God's dwelling place is man. We are the dwelling place of God. That's so oh, huge. So why should I take the dwelling place of God and desecrate it? Let's don't desecrate. Let's don't treat in an unholy way God's house. All right? Let's recognize that we are the house of God and we are, are an enduring house. We are an enduring house. And when we see the insanity in the world, let, let's don't despair and let us not pick up carnal weapons to quote-unquote protect the house of God. God can protect his own house. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, and then, and, and then I'm going to... Oh, there's so many more of these wonderful 
uh, supporting scriptures. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, well, listen, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, uh, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make uh, with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. This is amazing. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will put my, and, and I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. They are, they're going to be my people, but we are the people of God like your children are your people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is so, so good, right? And um, let, let me... Um, let me read one more. You, you okay if I read one more? Yes. You, you know, you wouldn't say no, I mean. <laughs> so, yeah. But let's look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5. Uh, these are support scriptures. This is sh sh showing you, uh, you and I are, uh, have a front row theater seat. We're there looking at how Israel failed. We're looking at how they failed front row seat through these scriptures. But then we don't translate that into our failure when we, when we refuse to be those people that God has called us to be. When we want to do our own thing. It's, it, it's the craziest thing. You know, it would be like God. It is like God saying, I want to give you eternity. And I'm going to allow you to live for these few years. And I'll, all I want you to do is obey. And I'm going to give you as an inheritance the universe and you go but I want to have some fun now and so is that is it fun to disobey your parent everybody who disobeys uh, uh, their parents will find out what they thought was fun is agony later that's right so if we can see children who just refuse to do what parents say like I'm grown not yet, because you've not learned to obey. You've not learned to obey. And so God, obedience is what God is after with us. And God says, just obey. And, and uh, you'll eat the good of the land, he told Israel. And he's saying to us, just obey. And you have the, the whole universe before you. You go, I don't know. Oh, my Jesus. Help us. Help us, Lord. Okay, where am I? Deuteronomy 5? Deuteronomy 5, let me, okay. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive, the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. That's amazing. 
no, but no people group could say, God talked to us face to face. He said, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up the mountain. So listen to what he's saying. I stood, I was a, an intermediary. I was an intercessor. I stood there between you. But God talked with you face to face. Now God speaks to us in this very, very powerful way in that God speaks to us by his spirit living inside us, not on a mountain. Yeah. Not even in a brick and mortar structure, temple, but God lives in this, these fleshly bodies and speaks to us and moves up and down in us. Why can't we see that? Why can't we just give all of ourselves to the Lord? All he wants is a people for his name. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay, and I'm going to read this and then uh, this will be the last. I'm just going to read it. Then we'll, the next time I'm before you, I'll, I'll elaborate on it. Let's look at verses, uh, look at verses 6 uh, through uh, verse 13, verses 6, verse 6 through uh, 13. And so this is Israel's rejection of God. This is, this is what this spot. Let me get that, okay? I'm, I'm having problems with my little iPad here today. Okay, verse 6. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are Israel. This is really very, very deep, if I may use that expression. It's very deep. And we have, we have, it's a school zone. We can't just run through it. Because a lot of times we have wrong doctrine, bad doctrine, because we didn't meditate before the Lord and allow, and allow the Holy Spirit to feed us with understanding. But it is not that the Word of God has had no effect, because the, the Israelite or the, the Jew at that juncture could say, man, it looks like this, this is all blown up. Uh, you know, everybody's failed. We didn't do it right. He said, it's not as, uh, that the Word of God had no, has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are, are of Israel. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. We don't have time to do it justice. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. This is a deep revelation. And it gives you understanding as to how God thinks and what God does. He says, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. And, and you are a child of promise. You are a child of promise. You have the Holy Spirit of promise. You are a child of promise. You've got to see this. This is too good for you to blow it or for me to blow it. Look at verse 9. And he, and he goes on. He proves it emphatically or with great emphasis through the scriptures by saying, verse 9, For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. That's promise. What Hagar, Hagar and, and Abraham did, that was not promise. That was desperation. That was let me help God out. But the word of promise, as I told you, that I was going to give you a child through Sarah. And I waited until she was 90 years old so that nobody could say it was a man thing. Amen. And, God, Amen. and God is doing things right now that nobody can say is a man thing. That's what God is doing. I'm, I'm seeing in, in front of us. And not only this, he says not only, this is God who's taking us in, in the deep waters 
But when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, you had two, a man, two women, Hagar, Sarah. Here, you got one man, one woman. Now listen. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, listen, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. God can choose whomever he wants and how he wants. He chose you. He chose each of you. For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, not of what you can do, but of him who calls. It was said to her, to Rebecca, the oldest shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And so what he shows you, he's going to show us that God sovereignly chooses us. And you are the chosen of God. God sovereignly chose you. He may have chosen you out of a family of brothers and sisters and you're the only one. He may have chosen you out of a family of brothers, sisters, and cousins and you are the only one. But God chose you. And he chose you that you would go and bear fruit. And he, he chose you so that your fruit would remain. And that's why he can safely say, even before you were born, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. Amen. So this is the word of the Lord tonight. I want you to think about it. If you are here and you have not given your life to Jesus, I'm going to come back and invite you to Jesus in just a moment.